Good morning. My name is Mark Lacasse, and I very, feel very privileged to uh, bring the message to you today. Um, I usually start my messages with something funny to kind of, you know, get myself going into it. But I was practicing my message this morning, um, and my son and my daughter were listening, and my son walked up to me at one point and says, Daddy, this is really long. Are you almost done? Um, so <laughs> we'll skip any sort of funny stories about how I dressed up like Miley Cyrus at work on Friday and danced. Um, you can ask me about that later if you want to. Um, it was as bad as you could possibly imagine. Um, but today I want to talk about how, how do we stay grounded in the hard times of life. Because um, the reality is that we all face challenges in life. And I'm sure it's not a stretch to imagine that many of you sitting here today are facing some sort of challenges. Um, maybe it's your finances are in a bad place. The economy has been tough. I can totally understand with that. Maybe your marriage is in a bad place. Maybe it's been in a ba- bad place for a long time. Maybe you're struggling uh, with health and you just got a health report recently that's not very good or someone close to you that you love dearly uh, is going through a hard time with their, with their health. Maybe your child is walking away from the Lord or your child will just never listen to you and you don't know how to parent them. You feel lost with that. Maybe your job is falling apart. I mean, there's so many challenges, right, that we can, that's not an exhaustive list. There's so many things we could be sitting here today bringing with us into this church service. You know, growing up, I heard my pastor say many times that we're either going into a hard time, we're in the middle of a hard time, or we're just coming out of a hard time. And while I wish that wasn't necessarily true, just looking back on my own life, I see a lot of validity to the statement that there haven't been many times in my life where life is just steady for a long period. You know, life has those ups and downs. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Or David writes in Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord has delivered them out of them all. So we, we come in today with this understanding that there are hard times in life and we're going to face hard times in life. And a couple of months ago, I started facing what I would probably consider one of the hardest struggles and biggest struggles of my life. I've struggled with anxiety for a number of years, but a couple of months ago, I woke up on a Sunday night and went into a panic attack. Um, and my wife helped me and she prayed with me and helped calm me down. And I was eventually able to fall asleep uh, and assume that I'd wake up the next morning and everything would be back to normal. I'd be fine because I've, I've, I've had this happen before. But I didn't wake up fine the next day. Um, something was wrong. There was this impending sense of doom in my life that everything was falling apart, that my mind was racing. And, and I couldn't stop thinking about all the bad things that could happen to me. I couldn't stop thinking about all the bad things that could happen to the people around me and in the world, and I just didn't feel safe. No matter what I did, like I prayed, I listened to worship music, I talked to my wife, I talked to Pastor Ed, I talked to my parents, my sister, nothing could get rid of this awful feeling that everything was falling apart, that I was broken, that I'd never get over this, and this is just how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. My chest was constantly tight, I didn't want to eat any food, I felt completely trapped. But I kept, thinking up that I, th- I kept thinking that I'd wake up tomorrow feeling like, okay, tomorrow's going to be better and then I'll be back to normal. And it didn't happen for day after day after day. So one morning, I was, there we go, I was reading in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 to 8. And, and it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends its roots out by the stream. And does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, 
and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So a couple months later, I'm still in the midst of this struggle. Um, I'm not coming to you guys today saying that I feel perfect all the time. Not that anyone ever does, but I don't. Um, I have good days and I have bad days, more good days than bad days, and some days that are a little bit of both. But I can honestly say that in the last couple of months, my roots have gone deep and have found the water of Jesus, and that my leaves have remained green, and that I've continued to bear fruit in my life, even though it's been so challenging. So I look forward for this season of my life to pass, without a doubt, um, but I continue to cling to the Holy Spirit and press into God to learn what he has for me in the midst of it. So what I'd like to do today is just talk about what are some practical things that I've learned over the last couple of months that have helped me in preparation and helped me in the middle of it um, to help me keep my roots down by the water and to remain green in this season of drought. Um, And this is not a comprehensive list. It's not revolutionary. These five things I'm going to talk about, and that was what my son was, he's like, how many things are you going to talk about? Well, five, only five. Um, But they're not revolutionary, but I think the challenge is how how do I listen and how do I take what I'm hearing today and apply it to my life in the areas that it applies to? Some things might not resonate at all, but some things might trigger something. So I pray that you'd listen into the Holy Spirit and what he might be saying. So let's pray. God, we, we come before you in this time, and we surrender the remainder of this service. God, we know that your Holy Spirit is always moving, um, but we know that your Holy Spirit is a gentleman. So we invite your Holy Spirit in. We pray that he would move on hearts and minds today to have people hear and respond in the way that you'd have them to. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that I've learned and seen is so important for me in the last couple of months has been knowing God's word. For my birthday this past June, my wife Amanda bought me this little notebook, um, and she said that I could use it to write down God's promises as I find them in the Bible. I told her ahead of time, like as I struggle with anxiety, you know, if I just knew God's word, like I could then combat the anxiety with God's word. So she very lovingly heard that and bought this for me. So for the past six months, I've been writing down scriptures as I find them going through my quiet time or other sorts of times. And as I've gone through the last couple of months, I've carried this book with me everywhere. I'm not even kidding. And I've prayed, opened it up and prayed the scriptures multiple times throughout the day. There's been some days at work where literally five, six, seven times I'm opening this up and I'm turning to a page. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. And I would just keep reading and praying the scripture and praying the scripture. You know, I've heard that God's word is your lifeline. I've heard people say that before, but I haven't understood that to the last couple of months where it's like, no, God's word is my lifeline. Like I, I couldn't make it through the last couple of months without having his word in place. And putting that work in ahead of time to prepare this has been so helpful for me that I have these practical scriptures ready to go. The other thing about knowing God's word that I've learned is in the last 15 years, I've developed a consistent time with him in the morning. I drink my coffee and I eat my breakfast and I read God's word. Um, And the reason why I think it's important for us to start that before the challenging times is just my personal experience. It's hard to start a new routine when I'm going through something hard. But if I can have that rhythm in my life already, and then I hit those speed bumps, those hard times, I've already created that rhythm, and it's easy just to continue what it is that I've already begun. So for me, I I like to read a devotional that and I like paper because I'm old. 
Um, but I like to read a devotional that has scripture, but then somebody's thoughts on it. So this year I'm reading, In the Lord I Take Refuge, and it's, um, each, each day is one psalm, and it's a person's commentary on the psalm. And I've been finding so much life in that. But having that rhythm in place where I can learn God's word and I can find scriptures to keep track of has been so helpful for me. So I guess my questions for you are, do you have scriptures prepared in advance, written or memorized, that you can quickly access when you're going through a hard time? And also, do you have an answer or do you have a rhythm of time in God's word and how could you create that? And my, if you answer yes, hooray, good job. But if, if no to either of those, is there something that God's stirring on your heart to maybe do? The second thing that I've seen in the last couple of months is the importance of the close relationships. And I would even add in the close godly relationships um, in my life. When I was at my lowest point, there was a few people who I could rely on, who were my sound reasoning, um, who carried me and were truth to me when I couldn't necessarily see truth for myself. One of my favorite examples of community is found in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. Uh, And so word of Jesus has been spreading all around of him and the miracles that he's performing. So these friends of a man who's paralyzed were like, we're going to carry him on his mat and we're going to bring him before Jesus to get him healed. So they show up at the house where Jesus is teaching and the house is packed and they can't get this man to Jesus. But that doesn't stop them. And, And as I was reading this, you know, preparing for the message, the Holy Spirit prompted the question in my head, what kind of friend am I? Am I going to help people when it's convenient? Or am I willing to inconvenience myself to help other people? I think of Nate Wheeler when I think of someone who's willing to inconvenience themselves and put themselves out there to help other people and won't do it only when it's convenient for them. Because see, the the convenient thing for these friends is, well, we're going to take them on the mat, we're going to bring them to the house, put them before Jesus, all is going to be well. But then they get there, and they're like, well, we can't do this. So they say, okay, well, we'll try next Saturday. We'll try the next time I have time off. They're like, no, we're going to get you before Jesus. So they climb up onto the roof. They cut a hole in the ceiling, so they destroy property. Not that I'm I'm advocating property destruction to help your friends. However, they lower their friend before Jesus through the ceiling. And it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. And this, that, that verse has always astounded me because it was the faith of his friends that made him right with God. And then Jesus also healed the man's, man's ailment and he could walk again. So when we face these dry times, we want to surround ourselves with people who are going to carry us before Jesus' feet, who aren't just going to pray once and move on, but they're going to plead before God for us. They're going to remind us of God's truth. They're going to bring us back to God's word and even meet any physical, practical, physical need that we might have as well. So do you have those sort of people in your life? You know, as I said, I don't think I would have made it through the last couple of months in the same way that I have if it hadn't been for my wife, Amanda, or for Pastor Ed, or my parents, or my sister. So many times they carried me and they were truth to me when I couldn't see truth for myself. So I challenge you, if you hear this and you don't have those sorts of Christian friendships, like, ask God about it. When I was in college, I dated this girl for for a number of years, and after college, we broke up, and in the time of us dating, I literally lost all my friends. So we broke up, 
I was out of college. I had zero friends, and I'm not even kidding. I, I had no one I could call. My sister and brother-in-law invited me to the young adult church at Shiloh called Pulse that met on Sunday nights. So I started to go there. I gave my life back to God. But then I recognized there was this hole in my life because I was starting to make friends, but I wanted that like close guy friend who loved God, who I could like just talk about God with and continue to grow my relationship with. So one night at, at church, I was praying. And I was like, God, could you bring a guy to be my friend that I, who knows you and loves you? And a couple of weeks later, a handsome man in a leather jacket named Kevin Lichty, if you know Kevin at all, you, you know what I'm talking about. But sorry, Kevin, he's probably turning red if he's listening. Um, <laughs> But Kevin walked in, and we just start talking. And before you know it, every Tuesday night, we got together, had a romantic dinner at his apartment. <laughs> we ordered Chinese food. Um, I forget what order number, but we always ordered the same thing. We listened to messages. We prayed. And we'd spend hours just talking about God's word. And like Kevin is one of those people who I've gone to and I can go to for whatever it is that's facing me, and I know that he's there for me. So ask God. If you don't have those sorts of friendships, ask God. He's faithful. And the other thing is, in an ideal world, someone's going to walk up to you and be like, hey, be my friend. Not probably like that, but you know what I mean. They're going to walk up to you. But sometimes you have to be the one to put yourself out there. You might not get an invitation to a small group. You need to ask and sign up for a small group, or you need to go to something and put yourself out there before those relationships can come. And the intimacy doesn't come right away, but I would encourage you to continue to try to grow those relationships before the hard times come. Um, the third thing that I've experienced is the importance of thinking of others. And this is a kind of a short point, um, but in my life, when I face a struggle, I allow the struggle to oftentimes cloud my lens, where all I see is the struggle in front of me, uh, it becomes overwhelming to me, and I don't look at anything else that's going on in the world. But one of the things that I've seen the importance of in the last couple of months is um, thinking of other people. And instead of having the focus be on myself, how can I focus on other people in the midst of it? When I wake up at night and I'm having a hard time sleeping, my wife always encouraged me, start praying for other people. Just start praying. Just start praying for other people. And so I do, and I, and I usually fall asleep, not because they're boring, but it, you know, it takes my mind off myself. <laughs> You know, or, I or I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling like I'm having a hard time going through this, then I start texting other people or I go out for breakfast or I go serve someone in some way. Or even practically, I'm sitting at home and I'm just wanting to focus in on myself. I get off the couch and I go do the dishes for my wife or I put my phone away and I get down on the floor and I engage with my two kids. So I think it, like in the midst of the hard times, it's important to the best of our ability to distract ourselves, but also invest our life and our time in other people. And so the question's up there, like, if you're in a hard time, what can you do today? Like, on this exact day, like, don't wait till tomorrow, but like today, what could you do to serve someone else to take your focus off of yourself and help someone else out. And yes, if you want to get out your phone, get out your phone, and I won't be too offended. I teach middle school, so I'm used to telling people to put their phones away all the time. <laughs> the, the fourth thing that I've seen is the importance of talking to God. Um, here's three scriptures. Um, and, and the summary of the three scriptures is this. God listens to us when we pray. So if we, if we think about that, if we, if we just try to think logically. So the creator of the universe, the star-breathing God, 
the God who created the earth and all the cool animals and all the landscapes that we see, the God who created the human body and the intricacy and the details that doctors are still trying to figure out today, like that same God says in the Bible that when you talk to him, he's listening. So then logically thinking, if you believe the Bible and you believe that what the Bible says is true, then you know when you talk to God, God is going to listen to you no matter where you're at. So then doesn't it seem like we should spend more time talking to God? Like we have access to the creator of the universe at any time. It should be the most important thing we do every day. Um, If if you're someone who has a hard time because you're like, well, I don't know what to pray or I don't know how to pray. I think it's simple. You just talk to God like you're talking to someone else. And that's been my experience over my life. But especially in the last couple of months is I just start talking in my car. I talk to him. In the mornings, after I read the Bible, I pray to him about what I found. If you're looking for something more structured, because you're a structured person, I've heard the, import, like the, the acronym ACTS, how you can structure your prayer life in that way, where you start off with A for adoration, so you praise God, you, 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 you say how amazing he is, that he's the star breather, he's the creator of the universe, and you exalt him. And then you see, you confess, you know, you make yourself right with God. God, I'm sorry for these sins. I repent and turn from them. Would you please forgive me? And then you spend time thanking God. God, thank you for my wife, for my children, for my job, for all these sorts of things. And then you get to S for the supplication, which is, okay, now I'm going to present my request to you, God. And, and would you please help me with this? Would you please help my family with that? And if you don't have a robust prayer life before a hard time, It doesn't mean that you can't cry out to God in the middle of it and he's not going to hear you. Well, no, of course he's going to hear you. But the more we invest in that relationship ahead of time, the more likely we're going to be able to recognize God's voice in the midst of the hard time, when when life is hard, when life is challenging. And so the fifth uh, point and the final point, so see, my son was wrong. I didn't think this was like too long. I think it's been kind of quick. Um, but I've seen the importance of recognizing the enemy. In John 8, 44, Jesus says, when he's talking about Satan, that when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and he's the father of lies. He doesn't mince words there. Or John 10, 10, we know how Jesus says, the enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. So when we face hard times, it's important that we recognize that we have one enemy and that that enemy is Satan, It's not the situation we're in. It's not the person who's wronged us, but the enemy is the devil. And he's not even the one that necessarily causes all these hard times, though I'm sure he does. But I guarantee you that in the midst of it, he's going to try to capitalize and pull you away from God to the best of his ability. So the way that I fight the enemy is I ask God to help me see the difference between the truth and the lies. Because if Satan's the father of lies, then I need to be able to combat the lies with truth. And so when I see something that I'm feeling or that I'm experiencing or that I'm thinking that's a lie, I then name that and I pray that I would walk in the truth instead. I claim scriptures that are opposite to what the enemy would be saying in my life. For example, one of my fears in the past couple of months is that I'm just permanently broken, that my mind is just completely messed up and that I'm never going to be able to get past this, and I'm going to be like this forever. So that that lie comes into my head, and I say, no, God, your word says that you have not given me a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And God, you have given me a sound mind, so I can stand on that truth in my life. And I'd open up my, my little 
special blue book that I have. And then I'd go in here and I'd start finding other scriptures to be able to claim to combat the enemy. And I'll be honest, it's not a one and done. I, I would love if life was like a one and done sort of thing. I say the scripture once and okay, we're good to go, but it's not. Some days I'd say that scripture 20 times and I'd get up the next morning and I'd start saying that scripture again. But be encouraged that you're not messed up if you have to continue to claim the same truth again and again and again. James 4, says, 4 7 says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And as Pastor Ed's told me many times, it doesn't say when he will flee, but it says that he will flee. So our job is not to entertain the lies that the enemy puts into our head, not to entertain any of it or give it any place, but to know God's word and to combat those lies with God's truth. Ephesians 6, when Paul's talking about the armor of God that we're supposed to put on for this spiritual battle, the one offensive piece that he mentions is the sword of the spirit, which he says is the word of God. So our weapon in this spiritual battle is God's word, which then goes back to point number one. How do we make it through these hard times? We, we have to know God's word. And so that's why we need to get into God's word and we need to start reading it. And it's not just because that's the Christian thing to do, but we're in a spiritual battle every single day. And if we don't have that word in our mind, if we don't have it in our heart, if we don't give ourselves access to that, then we're going into battle in some ways unarmed. Whew. I guess I'm a little passionate about that part. There we go. So who or what are you identifying as the enemy instead of Satan? What lie are you believing about yourself or lies? But what's God's truth say? I'm going to challenge you. If you're there and you hear the lie, but you don't know God's truth, ask someone you know and have them share the truth or go digging for it yourself. I think it was Ed or Greg who preached a month or so ago that says you can just Google scriptures about blah, blah, blah. Google it right now, even if you need to. So I just shared five things that I've seen as beneficial in my life um, as I've walked through these hard times. There are five disciplines, there are five reminders that have helped me sink my roots deep and continue to grow even though when I felt like I've been walking through the desert. And these things have helped me a lot um, and I've seen the truth in them, but not to contradict myself, but when we face hard times, when we face crises in our life, having these disciplines in place can help. But at the end of the day, it's not doing these five things and checking them off that's going to bring us through these times with our leaves remaining green and continuing to bear fruit. But we're delivered by God, right? We don't achieve delivery by working for it, but we do achieve delivery and make our way through it and bear fruit towards others because of God and his power allows us to do this. My devotional that I mentioned um, earlier recently said in Psalm, about Psalm 27, the author writes, when life overwhelms us, when the bottom's falling out, this is where scripture takes us, to God. We don't achieve internal calm by securing external calm. We find internal calm by looking to God. See, when we go through life, we're never going to achieve that lasting internal calm by ending the hard time that we're going through. It's like whack-a-mole. As soon as you get over one of those challenging times, like think about whatever that is that's in your mind right now, maybe your health will improve. Maybe your marriage will be better. Whatever it is. 
But once you get through that, something else is going to crop up. Because we said we're either going into a hard time, in the middle of a hard time, or just coming out of a hard time. So the next hard thing is going to come and disrupt that calm. The only way that we achieve that lasting internal calm, that peace that surpasses understanding that Paul writes about, is by casting ourselves on God. So we're going to sing a final worship song together, and I'll invite Jaden to come back up. And I'm going to invite you, you have the opportunity to be able to come forward and receive prayer. You know, if you're walking through a hard time, and you feel like you're trying to manage all the circumstances around you to achieve peace instead of casting yourself on God and just trusting him in the midst of it, this is going to be an opportunity for you just to come forward, to to come before the altar, and just pray to God and say, no matter what happens in this situation, God, I'm just going to come to you, and I'm going to trust you. And I'm not promising that by, by coming forward, this hard time is going to end, or the desert is going to get filled with rain. But I do promise, and I've seen this by experience in my own life, that as you continually surrender yourself to God, he's going to be faithful to meet you where you're at. And the Bible tells us, as I mentioned, that God will give us a peace that surpasses understanding. So please stand with us as I get ready to close. (laughs) You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Greg shared um, a story about the Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. And in that moment, and going back to this devotional, when Jesus fed them miraculously with those fish and the loaves, he provided their external need that they had at that moment. And they were able to witness Jesus' miraculous power. But if you go back to John 6, where it has the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and you continue and read further in the chapter, it says that the next day, the crowd realized that Jesus had crossed to the other side of the lake, So they get up the next day and they sail across the lake, which is no short venture, and they go and they find Jesus again. See, they had a taste of their needs being met by God and they wanted more. So they find Jesus and the crowd gathers around Jesus and then Jesus goes into this challenging teaching and he calls them out and he says, truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Put another way, you experienced my goodness and now you want more. And you think it's because you saw these miracles that I did, but that's not really it. It's because you got a taste of how I can fill you. So the people responded and they said to Jesus, yes, we're on board, we we believe you. So what, what can we do to achieve eternal life? And Jesus says, believe in the one whom God sent and you have eternal life. And they're like, okay, sure. Well, show us a sign. The Israelites in the desert, they got manna. God gave them the sign of manna, so you show us a sign. And Jesus tells them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's saying, guys, don't look to me just for signs. Don't look for me just to change your circumstances. Don't look to me just to make your financial situation better. Don't look to me just to fix your marriage or to make your kids come back to God. Don't look to me just to be able to feel back and whole in the head again, God. Don't look to me for just these things. Come to me. I'm all you need and I will fill you with something better than fish and better than any piece of bread ever could. 
So he continues teaching, and he doesn't give the crowd what they want. And it says that many of the followers left. The people who the day before had seen Jesus miraculously meet their needs with the loaves and the fish. Today, Jesus didn't give them what they wanted, and they turned around and they left him. So Jesus turns to his closest followers, the twelve the apostles and he says and asks the question you don't want to leave too do you and that's so meaningful because maybe you're here today and you're at your wits end maybe you're tempted to look for some other way to get through this hard time that you're going through maybe you're looking for some other means other than God maybe you feel like God isn't giving you what you deserve in this situation But before you think of leaving and giving up on God, before you try to get through this on your own strength, listen to Peter's response. Jesus says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? See, Peter understood if we turn away from God, we're turning towards something else. If we don't trust God and if we don't cast ourselves on him, And if we continue to try to do it in our own strength, then that's us choosing our way instead of going to God. So I I invite you forward to come. If you're walking through a hard time, if you're going through something challenging, if you just feel like you're in that spot where you've been trying to do it on your own strength, as we sing the worship song, I invite you to be brave and come forward and to cast yourself on God and to make that decision that God, no matter what I'm walking through today, God, no matter what I'm going through, this hard time that I'm facing that seems to be never-ending, I'm going to come forward and I'm going to step out in faith, God. I'm going to cast myself at your feet because, God, I know that you are greater and I know that you're better. So the altar's open. I invite you to come forward and we'll have people up here to pray with you to be able, you can receive prayer and we're going to sing this final worship song together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near.
I thank you that through any storm we face, you never let go. God, I thank you that when Peter stepped out of the boat in the midst of the storm, God, he walked on waters, he kept his eyes on you, even though the storm continued to rage around him. So God, we step out in faith today. God, we cast ourselves on you. God, we pray, pray for delivery. God, from whatever it is that these people are facing, God, that they're bringing before you, we pray in Jesus' name for delivery. But God, above all else, we cast ourselves on you and we trust you and we look to you. So God, we offer this day to you and we thank you so much that your word promises that your ears are attentive to our prayers. We thank you that Jesus is in heaven now interceding on our behalf. So we give you this day, God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great day, guys.